Hi everyone and welcome back. So we discussed last week the first steps into the notion of justice. Now this was different from what we had before, which was the Tyrus and the Eidos, the philosophical perspectives, the symbolic rights that we live out in our lives to impact ourselves and our relationship with Hashem, we moved on to the first of the classic mitzvahs that we engage with in daily life, the things we should do and the things we shouldn't do. And this was under the category of mishpatim. Now mishpatim, rather than chukim, ones that we understand the principle of justice by simply being another person. We see the inner world we experience and thereby we can see how we owe that to the other. We spoke last week about harming someone else, and now we're talking about stealing. Now, what we're going to do is develop Hirsch's philosophical construct to what happens when you steal. It's not just a, um, I take what is yours, but there is a philosophy that underpins that action. Now, a person can say, it's not so complex. People don't do a philosophical reflection before they hit someone or take something away, but that's not true. What I mean by that is, if a person is not reflective, and they're just doing, and they're acting without reflection, that's bad enough. In a way, the person who reflects on why they do what they do, and comes up with a polluted perspective, there's a value to that as well, because it means they care about thinking about things. If a person has a warped vision on reality, then that vision can be corrected. If a person's just not thinking, then there's no hope. They have to be encouraged to think, and then after they think, you can talk about the correct mode of thought. Living a more conscious, focused life is important. So, when I give an underpinning to why a person would steal, or what lays beneath the simple taking of an object from someone else, true, people aren't consciously deciding to do it because of these ideas, but we can reflect on these principles, thereby help us when we're tempted, but also understand why the Torah is telling us this is something you have to move away from. So, on the most basic level, it being part of a mishpat is that don't take stuff from other people because you don't want stuff taken away from you. That's very simple. That's very understandable. I own things. I am connected to them. They're mine. Don't take them. But there is a more religious foundation to it, something that reaches deeper. In the same sense that when a person hits another person, what are they saying? They are merely an object. They're an object that can be hit. They are an object that can be killed. What lays beneath that, the man's soul, that irreducible value that we refer to as Selem Elohim, as having a purpose in the world that the body is living out, is being negated. That is being pushed to the side, and they are only experiencing them as a body. That is the ultimate in objectification. But it feeds on to the whole discussion of theft. Because in the same way, the root is the soul, the body is the vehicle that a purpose is lived out in this world. A person's property, freely extracted from the environment, are the tools they use to live out that purpose. And it's theirs. Thereby taking it from them, to a lesser degree of course, you're once again objectifying that person. You are treating them like an animal. The way Rav Hirsch expresses it, it is the ultimate betrayal. When somebody takes something from the forest, and it might have been used by a rabbit, you don't look at that as theft because you don't think the animal has goals, purposes, desires in the same sense a human being does. 
The religious claim is that we have goals and purposes. Be us Jew or non-Jew, we have goals and purposes and things that we feel are being lived out in the world that are worth more than the here and now. The animal kingdom, we don't look at it being that. We look at the animal kingdom as living off instinct, trying to survive. We don't look at them as using things in this world to achieve higher goals. That is the definition of a human being from a religious standpoint. We look at the Torah as being our instruction about how to best live out our purpose. In which case, when a person takes something from someone, they are saying that which you were trying to live out in the world isn't consequential, isn't part of the way I look at the world, like a rabbit. Rav Hirsch calls it treason to the spirit, because we all have a spirit. You have a spirit. I have a spirit. Treason is such a good phrase here, because he who is treacherous takes something that we're supposed to be on the same side. I know what it means to be human. I know what it means to have goals. I live out these goals with my body and I use the things that I have freely taken from the natural world or were given to me or inherited or have been loaned to me and you take it from me. You betray my idea of goal You because you know you have a goal and you wouldn't want that done to you. Hence, treason. We're on the same side that we are here to live out higher purposes and goals and by you stealing from me, you betray my spirit. You betray that which is so core that is trying to live out a goal. And these were my tools for living out a goal. So, we've got the first idea. I want to play this out to another area that Rav Hirsch discusses that is more commonly known, and we can see how the ideas parallel. There's a distinction that's made between a ganif and a guzlan, two types of thievery, let's call it, that happen in the Jewish tradition. And we'll see some, an idea play itself out. One's looked at worse than the other. You have what's called a ganif and a guzlan. A ganif is someone who steals a at night, let's call it, when nobody's around, and a guzzlin, a person who just confronts you. He mugs you, let's call it. Now, they're both wrong, clearly, but which one's worse? Now, there's classic interpretations, but we're going to focus on Rav Hirsch. He says, well, the ganif is fined as well as having to pay back the property. Why? The ganif, the one who did it over the stealth of night? I mean, the one who went in a, let's call it, stealthy way to take away the property from someone else, the other guy confronted. There's a brazenness to that. Isn't that not worse? So Rav Hirsch sees that no, actually. The one who confronts the individual, yes, all what we said before applied to him. True. But there's a difference here. One, he's just taking away from the individual. His crime is against the individual. He finds the person, he takes something away from him. His crime is against the individual. The guzzlin, the robber, has done a crime. But the Ganif, on the other hand, not only does a crime against the individual, he also does a crime against society. He demonstrates with his stealth that he pays no respect to societal norms. What society, not that the first person is clearly respecting societal norms, but there is a trust that exists in society that at night, when nobody's there to watch it, things should remain. There's a principle, there is an act of treason once again that takes place that when you display that you cannot exist in society because you need everything to be tied down. Now, the first person, yes, he has brazenness and he's just taking what he wants, but he does it from a person. He does it directly. He allows society to see him. The other person is relying on the trust of society. What allows society to continue, he doesn't respect. And Jewish law follows this out, that if he admits it and he re- slots himself into the society, he doesn't pay the fine. So, 
in a similar sort of way, you have this idea of theft. And we spoke about this underlying philosophical like, root that plays itself out about the tools of man's purpose being lived out in the world. And by you taking from him, no matter what it may be, you take something from someone else. You are denying their right to live out their purposes in the world, their responsibility. Thereby you do treason to their spirit. The treason to their spirit in the sense that you know what it means to have to live out a purpose and need tools for those purposes that you freely acquired from the world and they are yours. And thereby, by taking them, you're denying that in him. This is what we could call perhaps the divine right of property. We are here in this world with our body and our tools for living out our purposes. We are given them, we, are, we freely acquire them, we inherit them, we find them because they have no owner. Whatever it may be, they are in our possession for our purposes and goals. And by denying me that ability, you deny the very soul that wants to live out that goal. So, on that note, have a wonderful week, meaningful upcoming uh, Tishabov, and until afterwards, have a wonderful day.